Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure once again to be in your company, but if, if this is the first time that we've been together, uh, don't forget to hit subscribe. You can do it on iTunes. Fight Night is what you're looking for, and you can get uh, all your Android feeds on the TalkSport website. Uh, now, this show is going to sound like we only spoke about one fight for three hours. That wasn't necessarily the case. It's just that one of our Brits... Uh, has had a fight confirmed this week, which we're all extremely excited about, and we wanted to get all the latest information out to you. We're, of course, referring to the one on May the 22nd for the undisputed super lightweight championship of the world. These fights are like hen's teeth. Very rarely does a fighter get the opportunity to fight for all the belts in a weight division, and Josh Taylor has that opportunity, like I said, uh, in mid-May, taking on uh, the American-Mexican in Jose Ramirez. It will be the first time, if he manages to pull this off, Josh Taylor, uh, that a Scottish fighter has become undisputed since 1971 and the first time since a British fighter has done it since 1999. History. That is the word that should be bounded around constantly with this fight. Well, you'd be pleased to know that Josh joined us on the show on Saturday. And we started by talking about the magnitude of the fight. When you think of the magnitude of this fight and, you know, what, what it's going to do for me and my name and my legacy and um, put my name in the history books, it's just um, it's just real massive, you know. So um, a massive motivator as well in terms of, you know, what, what this fight can open doors for me, you know. It's just uh, what it's going to do for me in terms of, like, personal uh, personal uh, sort of profile is going mm. to shoot through the roof. Um, it's going to be a massive, such a, a a glorious victory, you know, in terms of achievement-wise. I mean, I only have been, what, 18 fights and I'll be undisputed world champion. It's just it's a massive, massive achievement. And uh, to be the first person to do it um, in Britain is uh, a massive a massive goal for me. And the first person in Scotland to do it since Ken Buchanan. Wow. You know, the first first four belt first four belt champion is just a uh, that's a feat that's a that's a real big feat and a big achievement so um i'm really motivated for this and uh, you know just i'm going to be make sure i do everything in my power to to come out victorious 
We're living in some crazy times. I remember the last time speaking to you in the build-up to the Kong Song fight. Um, I'm not going to fully, properly quote you because, sadly, I can't put it out on the radio. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll abbreviate it a little bit. When we were talking about the possibility of the of the Ramirez fight, you said um, his backside was twitching like a rabbit's nose. Um, was, there, was there any um, worry that maybe this wouldn't get over the line as soon as it has done? No, um, I kind of, you know, I've kind of backed him into it the way where he can't really go out and take another fight now, you know, he's, he's got to take the fight. So I just believe that, you know, um, he, ha- he had the option to face me a, a while back, you know, um, in terms of once a- after I beat um, Postal, mm. I was then mandatory for his WBC title um, or number one then, number one uh, ranking, you know, so yeah. um, then he also had the, the, the opportunity to go into the, the WBSS Um and he said no, which you know, which to me he says if if you really truly believe in yourself and your your own ability, um, then the cream always rises to the top. So for me that uh, raises a little bit of self doubt. You know, maybe maybe not so much Ramirez, but maybe his management uh, Rick. You know, maybe doesn't really believe in him so much. Um, and his talent so much because if he did think he could do it, he, he would have went into the tournament and uh, uh, the cream always rises to the top. So if he really is the best, he would have won that tournament and uh, you know he, he'd be he'd have, he'd be sitting there with all the belts right now. Hmm. It's kind of worked out nicely though. I know that obviously it's been a delay. The pandemic has, has put scuppers on quite a lot of plans, but the way that this is now starting to pan out, we're here in certain states in America are starting to relax certain things. I've no doubt your phone's been read up this week, mate. We, we owe your pals and what have you saying, hey, Sunshine, what's the cracker? Is, uh, is the governor of Las Vegas letting us in or what? I'm sure that you could sell uh, whatever event or, or arena it is in Las Vegas. I'm sure you could sell it out quite comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've had, my phone has been going daft. It's still going daft. I've still got loads of messages to go through. And, yeah, like you're saying, it's mostly 90% is, it, is that question, you know, are we getting to be able to go? But, um, honestly, it's really no... It's out of my control, you know, and yeah. I would love for nothing more for um, travelling fans to be able to go. You know, this is a dream fight for me. You know, I'm one of the, the few fortunate few that get to have these mega fights in, in Las Vegas or a stateside, you know, and uh, to possibly not have fans there is a little bit of a blow. Um, especially, like, with me, I've seen it and being a part of Carl Frampton's team, oh. you know, when he had a huge uh, travelling contingency come over to Vegas and New York you know, um, and it just made the event on the weekend and everything so much more special. You know, it was just uh, getting your getting your travelling fans coming over and getting to spend time with them after the fight and things like that. You know, it was just made it just made the whole the whole weekend so much more uh, memorable. Well, fingers crossed. Like you said, it's out your hands, mate. Fingers crossed. Certain travel restrictions and what have you are eased a little bit because there's no doubt that you'd yeah. sell crazy amounts of tickets and people will come out and enjoy it. But when you were when you were a kid growing up and obviously dreaming of these big nights, if someone was to say to you, "You are going to fight for the undisputed championship of the world against the Mexican in Las Vegas," mate, that is that is what the dreams are made of, isn't it? That's exactly it's what, what dreams you want. are made of. And yeah, uh, yeah, I just. And this, I just never thought this would have been uh, this would have been happening to me, you know. Um, uh, I've always believed in my own ability and always believed I can do it. But like to, for this kind of fight to happen, um, you always kind of went, yeah, maybe a little, maybe a little far fetched, you know, for it to happen to me, you know, kind of thing. But mm. I've always believed in my own ability, and you know, 
it's just a it's just a real sort of pinch me kind of moment. But I've I've worked my stuff to get to this position. Yeah, dedicated my whole adult life to to the to the sport. You know, I'm, I've been in the the gym for the last fifteen years, sixteen years of just constant dedication and um, working hard for for to get to to this point. So um, I'm now at the 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 peak and the the pinnacle and the top of the game and uh, you know to to win this fight um and on top of what I've just said before like what it's going to do for me and the um, the achievement wise it's just it's just massive it's absolutely massive so I can't wait to get in, get in there and get stuck in amongst it like you said, outside the ring, you've not cut any corners, but inside the ring, you've not cut any corners as well. This is this is going to be your 18th fight, and some of the matchmaking and the fights that you've had up until this point, mate. I mean, there's been times when you've when matches have been made. I mean, you mentioned Postal a minute ago, and maybe Vasquez just before it, and a couple of others since the Baranchik fight. Fans, I remember speaking to a lot of fans, going, "Bloody hell, is he bitten off more than he can chew at this particular point?" But every single time, you've risen to that moment. It just seems to the bigger the challenge, the better the Josh Taylor, and this is. For me, I mean, progress was a big challenge and you came through that with absolute bells on it. But to fight for the undisputed championship of the world against Ramirez, this is this is the top of the game now. This is the top of the game, yeah. It's unbelievable. And I have to say, that's kind of my personality and my, my character. I'm I'm in this game to to be the best I can be and fight the best. You know, I don't, I don't want to be fighting easy fights and, mm. you know, cherry-picking fights, this and picking that. I'm in this, I'm in this business to, to fight whoever's the best that's who I want to fight, you know. So, um, I'll win this fight against Ramirez. I'll then be setting setting new targets to to for bigger goals, a second weight world title, and things like that, you know. So, I'm in this game, no messing about. I like to have good fights, and and it keeps me motivated as well. These big challenges um, keep me motivated. You know, they they keep me training like the challenger. You know, so I always like to have big challenges in front of me to keep me motivated and train me hard. So. Yeah, that's just the way I like to go about my business is is go all in, you know, all uh, all in, all or nothing. I I know that you obviously didn't fight each other uh, at the London Olympics in 2012, but did your paths cross because you would have both been in the Olympic Village? Did you see each other? Did you chat or uh, at all? I never saw him at the Olympics or anything like that. You know, I, I think um, I first come across him once at the World Championships in right. 2011 in Azerbaijan. I may have right. spoken to him very briefly, um, just as we were sitting sort of next to each other watching the fights in our weight class. But apart from that, not really spoken to him at all, really. Because that, that, I find that amazing, because you're both elite amateurs. Obviously, he's done well over stateside. You, Commonwealth champion and what have you, mate. For the past not to, to have mixed earlier, I find it it's quite romantic, the fact that you kind of just passed each other as ships in the night, and now we're finding ourselves at the elite of the professional game. Yeah, well, it's a good little story, but yeah, he's, I've always been a, sort of aware of um, Each who he work. is, you know, yeah. because because we're in the weight, same weight category, so um, I've known his name, you know. So yeah, we've both worked hard. We've both we've both got to this position. It's a massive fight, you know. You've got to give him respect as well. He's he's done his business um, in becoming a unified world champion over the other side of the pond as well. So it's got the makings of fight you know his style and my style I believe will gel and uh, we'll make we'll make a fantastic fight
No, I think you will. Um, I know you've done quite a lot of interviews with the American broadcasters now and obviously becoming familiar with those guys over there. Are you, are you getting enough credit now for your actual boxing ability? Because I remember a couple of interviews that I was watching in the past. It was all about grit and determination when it came to you, mate. But there's a, there's a few little nuances in, in your game that maybe deserve a little bit more credit than you were originally getting. Yeah, I think I think I'm getting the the sort of credit. I'm, be, I'm beginning to get the credit that I deserve now, um, yeah. um, which which is it doesn't really bother me all that kind of stuff, you know, because I like my boxing to do the talking. Um, that that's always the way I went about my business, Adam. You know that. Mm. Um, you've done several interviews with me. It doesn't really bother me. It's, I like to do the talking with my boxing and my performances, and I believe now people have seen my my last few performances. And now they're um, now they're taking notice of it. Obviously, in the there's a lot of guys in the gym doing extremely well at the moment, um, and I know that uh, you're um, well. But with with Ben being being the head honcho and um, being um, being a man that uh, let's just say um, appreciates a good haircut, the um, the uh, is is the Hank coming back out for this fight, or are you are you, are you, are you hoping that the barber's open sometime soon so therefore well, you can get been, yourself a good I fade kind on? Well, I got a haircut today. I kind of did a home job today, and uh, <laughs> it kind of looks like Hank again. It looks terrible. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, yeah, he's kind of out and play at the minute. It looks terrible. They've got had a terrible haircut. So yeah, it's, uh, hopefully. It looks a wee bit better by the time the fight comes and barber shops are back open. <laughs> Mate, listen, I half expected since you started working with Ben that you might get a top knot or something like that. You know what I mean? I thought that that was the going, oh, going thing. That's the question for me. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know that you're aware of this, mate. It's a May 22nd, significant day. Fingers crossed we can all get it sorted because it's my 40th birthday, pal. So if you can bring on the belts on, the, on that day, that'll be absolutely meant for us. I will, I will do. I'll do all my best. And uh, I'm pretty sure that I will. I'm feeling very confident that I'm going to come back with all the belts, mate. So um, you hold a beer for me if I ever I get to see you when I get back and we'll have a beer together. Absolutely, my man. <laughs> um, what's the, what's, um, I know that... In the past, you've gone over to the States and trained for a significant period of time. In, you've just mentioned Carl's camps and various things like that. Is the plan to go over to the States? I know Ben's a big fan of that. Are you, are you going to be over there for a bit or not? Yeah, we'll be over there for a few weeks um, beforehand. Um, we, we like to, we're going to go over nice and early and uh, yeah. acclimatise to the weather and you know the, the heat difference, the time difference and things like that because it's going to be hot. Over, we're starting to get really hot over there that time of year. So... Um, we're going to get over nice and early so we get acclimatised and get used to the time difference and the food and all that sort of stuff. So that's the fighter's perspective for uh, the biggest fight of his life. What's the trainer's perspective like? The man with the best hair in boxing, Ben Davison, joined myself and Gareth to talk through the nuances of how this one might go down. I'm led to believe as well that you are currently sporting a ponytail as well. Gareth's been thinking about it. He's been thinking of getting himself a little pony in there, uh, but I, I don't think he can live with the blonde locks. Uh, the problem, what the situation is, when I'm... Uh, Here we go. Socially, when I'm living socially, <laughs> I like to... I like to let my hair down, pardon the pun. But when yeah. I'm training, yeah. I, uh, I have to tie it up. <laughs> Gee, Listen, gonna, Gareth, you're going to get yourself a little headband or something like that just to keep up with Ben because he's, what, like, he's, running, like, he's running away with the head game at the moment, mate. He's running away yeah, with you it. You mean like, like, a, like a Bjorn Borg headband? Yes, yeah. that's like exactly a, what or I'm thinking. Or a, yeah. or a Dennis Lilly, 1981. Perfect. White, white sweatband around yes, there. Perfect. No, I, I would look like a horrible hippie from the 70s if I wore that. <laughs> I mean, and, and also, I've been thinking about a ponytail, yes, for about the last 35 years, to be honest. Do it. Because it just doesn't... No, 
It, listen, I get a, a, accused of looking camp enough it is with the clothes I wear, but I'm, my outfits, my male outfits. So if I had a ponytail as well, I, I think I'd uh, get more stick than I deserve. Um, but the, 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 the one thing, thing I will... The thing is, the thing is, <laughs> not... not... Not not being competitive, but it may show off that your hairline probably is slightly worse Whoa! than mine. He's got big. He's right, got hang, big. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Listen to me, young man. Listen to me, young man. Listen, if you're sporting hair like this in 30 years, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I'll t- I will pay for a lot of things. Listen, you've got fantastic hair. If you've got it... <laughs> If you've got it, <laughs> this is a, if for those listening, this is a fight night show. Fight night show, not not um, haircuts with uh, with Nicky Smith or whatever his name is. But um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, Ben, if you've got it, flaunt it. And you and I, as we've said before, we're going to flick our hair with Michelle Joy Phelps at the next opportunity because we've done that on stage in front of a lot of people and we've made fools of ourselves. While you've got it, Ben keep it but That's once it, but it starts I'll, to I'll go up there. You, i'm gonna let you into a little secret i don't think i'll have it for too much longer ah. <laughs> mate you got to trim up when you when you're doing undisputed title fights mate you got to trim up you got to you got to look tip top game all right my man so uh, That's right. <laughs> you got to get ready for it um on this one, May 22nd, it's an absolute monster of a fight. We're going to be speaking to Josh and Jose a little bit later on in the show. Um, how much do you enjoy pitting your wits against other elite-level coaches of, of fights of this magnitude? Because it isn't just one game plan for a fight like this against Jose Ramirez, who can do the lot. It, it's two or three multiple game plans of which might be, have to be implemented at any given moment during a, a 12-round bout. Yeah, this is it. For me, you know, when people talk about game plans, it's not like on the sixth second you must do this or, (laughs) you know, it's a case of drilling certain scenarios that you feel will play out in the fight. The advantage that I feel that we have is we've seen quite a bit of Ramirez under Robert Garcia, fantastic trainer. We've not Mm. seen a lot of Josh, they've not seen a lot of Josh under myself where, you know, we are working on developing Josh's game and there's always areas that you can develop on. Um, so you know that there'll be areas and things that Josh will bring that they wouldn't have seen from Josh before. Um, not that that's you know the be all and end all in this fight. And, and funny enough, I had this conversation with Josh earlier. Um, there will be moments in the fight where where Josh is able to do what and control the fight in ways that he wants to. But there will also be scenarios and moments in the fight where Ramirez is in positions where he wants to be in Josh is in positions he do- ideally doesn't want to be in but it's mm. about being prepared for for those situations and knowing what to do when you're in those scenarios mm. uh, this pandemic I've spoken to many fighters during this pandemic and a-, a lot of them have actually said that even though the the activity of, pro- of of competitive and professional fighting hasn't necessarily always been there it's given them a little bit of a a break and a bit of time just to step back and work on the craft, work on their game. Have you found that with Josh as well? I know that you've maybe wanted maybe a bit more activity, but to be able to just behind the scenes work away together on the things that you want him to do, has it been a bit of a benefit? Uh, to a degree, to a degree, I suppose. I mean, with Josh, it, it was a case of at first, it was a case of getting to know each other. Then there was the whole uh, outbreak which delayed the first fight we was going to have together. Then we had the Kong Song fight, which I was happy with the outcome. I was happy with the way things went. And obviously we got back into work. And yeah, you know, it's always a case of that for me where you're just constantly looking to improve um, the fighter's strengths and, and improve his weaknesses as well. So um, obviously it's just taking away that burden of having to, to make weight throughout a camp. 
The thing is, Ben, and the, the um, when um, Josh steps into the ring on May twenty second, mm-hmm. he will have had one competitive round in twenty months. I know you're going to talk me through that, but has the advantage, and I'm going to give you a positive rather than rather than a negative, has the advantage been that you and he have had all this time to get to know each other? Because I've been down, I, I know you well, I know him well. Your relationship is extraordinary. Has it, has it actually been an advantage that you perhaps haven't had two, two three fights together in, in, say, a 20-month period, and you've only had the one, and it went perfectly? That's one side of the question. And the other side is, are you concerned at all that he's just had one round of actual fighting in 20 months? Um, there's two ways of looking at it, you know. Um, it's a case of people talk about cobwebs and whatnot, but Josh has stayed in the gym, you know, throughout he'll, he, he's constantly doing rounds of sparring, um, working on things. And, you know, as much as being in the ring and having competitive rounds um, with the small gloves on under lights, he's, he's different. Um, there certainly won't be any ri- any ring rust um, come May 22nd, in my opinion. I just think that um, he'll be extremely well prepared and he'll know exactly what he needs to do in every moment of the fight. What's the single most thing that you can reveal to us tonight that you really love what you've learnt about having this close relationship with Josh over the last year and a half? Although he's unified world champion, soon to be undisputed world champion, he just is not that type of character to change at all. He that he is who he is, um, and when he becomes the first British fighter to be the all four belt undisputed five, if you want to include the Ring Magazine number one belt um, fighter to have done so, he will still be the same Josh Taylor. Um, and that that's something that uh, what same hunger and all those things Ben the sa- the is same, that what you mean by the that same person take the boxing aside of it Josh Taylor will be the same person when you sit down to have a coffee with Josh Taylor he'll mm. be the same person before the fight as he will be after the fight he's just that type of character love I think that. That, I think that's why the fans love him though I think that's yeah. why yeah. you know exactly what I was just about to say myself Adam yeah, I think, I mean, I really hope that the travel restrictions and various things like that are, are relaxed for people to be able to go to America in, in, in May because he sells out, we know that he sells out Scotland for fun. He sold out the O2 when he fought Progres for fun. He would most certainly take a boatload of fans over there as well and that would be, uh, that would be something else. From, from your point of view, Ben, obviously you've, you've had experience of with being with fighters now behind closed doors. How different is that experience to, to going into a place that's absolutely packed to the rafters and chanting everybody's name to hearing a pin drop? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, obviously, I'm not the one getting in there doing the fighting, but in my opinion, as a coach, the whole lead-up is different. But the mo- it's like what most people would expect is when you actually get in there and the fight starts, is different. It's actually the whole lead-up where you're in the same hotel as your opponent. You're probably seeing your opponent quite regularly. Um, you know, you, you, you're the announcer calling out your name and the opponent's name with no crowd, no noise. Mm. Um, but the moment that first bell goes, you know, it's just full focus and, you know, all the rest of it just goes out the window because you're so focused on and, and in the moment that, 
the rest of it just doesn't really um, doesn't really show out. But Ben, how much are you looking forward to getting over to, like the tenth of May or the eighth of May, getting getting over to the edge of the Mojave Desert in a in a in a in a mansion with Josh and the team, us coming to visit the build up. How much are you looking forward to that in Vegas again? Yeah, we'll be we'll be there way before that. You know, this is uh, this is a, a career defining moment for Josh um, and for world boxing. Um, so we'll be there way before that, fully prepared, and I'm looking forward to it. I do believe, you know, I highly respect not only Jose Ramirez's uh, qualities as a boxer, but as a person, you know, he's a God-fearing man, yeah. a strong character, mm. a will to win. All of undefeated, those undefeated. Undefeated, yeah. all of those types of characteristics yeah. I respect, and, you know, he's a fantastic fighter with that, but I do believe that this is a potential... If Josh goes about in the right way, this is a potential showcase fight for Josh Taylor. So we've heard from the fighter, we've heard from the trainer. What about the promoter? Because he must be absolutely buzzing that he's managed to get another one over the line for an undisputed championship. He gave us one last year, did Bob Arum, didn't he? With Vasil Lomachenko and Tiafimo Lopez. He's given us this one and who knows... He might give us one in the heavyweight division. That is actually where the conversation started with Fury and AJ. Any news, Bob? Well, I mean, let let nature take its course. And once everybody is signed, uh, then there'll be an announcement. But I'm not going to, uh, again, say exactly when it will be. I know that we're talking about uh, doing an event uh sometime uh, late June uh, and July. But again, I don't want to comment on it because there's so many parties involved that when one guy comments, everybody else complains. So I don't want anybody complaining about me. Oh, listen, nobody's going to complain about you, Bob. You, you, you pull rank on everybody. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with, with that in mind, then, I mean, um, um, listen, from what I'm hearing from you, I'm, I'm, we're, we're extremely close. What are, what are the procedures now that are needed in order to obviously get it over the line? There has to be an announcement. And once there is an announcement, everybody will lay out what the procedures are. You see why I'm hesitant to talk, because everybody involved has a big ego. And if one person is talking too much about it, then the other people are, you know, are, are, are going back at them. So I think everybody's agreed that once it's signed, there'll be a big announcement. And all those questions will be answered. Perfect. One thing I will say, Bob, is that um, I think people got a little bit overexcited this week. I think um, young Umar from IFL TV managed to get hold of you earlier in the week. And and to be fair to you, you know, um, without putting pressure on you, you said, you know, the point you've got to realise that things are moving ahead. And you've told us this, you know, you're you're a friend of our show um, you know, we value having you on the show and, and we appreciate it. And you said to, to them, look, all the points have been agreed to. Both sides have said it. We're just getting things signed that there aren't issues. But 
I was trying to explain this at the top of the show. Anyone that's ever do dealt with lawyers in a contract, whether it's buying land or having access through land, or you, you get both all the parties that own the land or where there's access through, you get three parties or four parties all joining, they all sign the contract, and then it's legally bound by lawyers in a legal document that is stamped. And these things, and we've said this on the show with you, this is like four TV companies and two major corporations merging for one major event in a country that might not be normally hosting an event. And if I stack up all those layers together, does that explain a little bit more about the complexities of this situation? Yeah, I think it's 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 said very well. And overlaying all of it is everybody has a big ego. Mm -hmm. So if I said something that the press runs with, then the other people get angry because I'm taking away their thunder. So everybody's decided that once this is done, done, it'll be announced. I'm saying I reckon it'll be in the next two to three weeks. I'm just saying that. You don't have to confirm or deny. I agree with you. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There's another story. No, uh, Bob, let me, let me, Adam and I should have done this at the very top. On Monday, you celebrated to the day 55 years of top rank Inc. Did you have a little tipple and just give us a flavor of when you had a moment to look back on those 55 years, were there one or two highlights that popped into your mind? Well, the highlights are, you know, so many great promotions, but it's essentially so many great fighters uh, that I had the privilege of promoting. And for long periods, starting with the great Muhammad Ali, uh, George Foreman, marvelous Marvin Hagler, uh, Tommy Hearns and Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, Manny wow. Pacquiao, and, and, you know, the current. And, and again, just to show that it goes on, probably one of the best fights uh, that I will have promoted during my career is the four-bout unification uh, between uh, uh, Taylor and Ramirez, yeah. which will be on yeah. May 22nd in Vegas. Just, just on that, I was just going to bring you to that, Bob, because it is a sensational fight. We were lucky enough to have uh, Josh on the show a little earlier on, and we were speaking about the magnitude of the fight from a British point of view and also from a Mexican point of view, from Jose's point of view as well. But from your point of view... So last year... Back up, back up, back up. The Mexican-American Mexican. point of view. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Jose, Jose Ramirez is yeah. as American as I am. Yeah, fair enough. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. With, with Mexican heritage, I should have said. Yes, of course. But you, you, yeah. I, I want to talk about those big undisputed fights because they are important from a boxing fan's point of view that they happen more often. You obviously gave us one last year in the, uh, in the lightweight division. You've given us one now in, in the super lightweight division. Fingers crossed you'll be able to give us one in the heavyweight division. Just talk to me about your experience of putting those undisputed fights on and the importance that they have in boxing, not just for the fight itself and the fighters, but for the growth of the sport with the casual fan. Well, I think it's very important. 
because you have a unification fight like that. And it's really in this era of, uh, of many force sanctioning bodies, uh, it brings some clarity because people want to know if you're a champion, are you the best? Yeah. And of course, when you do a unification fight like this, it determines who is the best. Problem is, from the fighter's standpoint, the poor guy's got to pay four sanction fees <laughs> instead of just one or two. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, on this fight, May 22nd, um, what's this current situation in Las Vegas? Because we've heard this week that uh, Texas is kind of opening up and I know that uh, people are starting to explore uh, uh, having events there and letting fans in. What's this current situation with Vegas, just from a well, British yeah, fan's yeah, point of view? You have to understand, the states are, you know, function almost as uh, as quasi as government. Uh, mm. So Texas, which you know, going to our politics, is a red state means it's a Republican state. But they don't think out situations, so <laughs> that's going to be open completely. Now Nevada is a blue state. Uh, all of our elected officials are Democrats, and uh, they proceed uh, according to the science. Well, what the science is telling uh, them in uh, Vegas, in Nevada, uh, that uh, as early as May 1st, uh, we can uh, put events on in arenas at 50% capacity, mm, right? Mm. But... Watching the news this morning where uh, President Biden has said that now in by mid-May, everyone uh, or virtually everyone in the United States will be uh, uh, inoculated. Mm. That means we will be getting towards herd immunity. And I would hope that we could be at 100 percent of capacity. But so, right so, now, we're, we're submitting the plans for 50%. It's going to be in one of the MGM properties, yeah. either in the Grand Garden or at Mandalay Bay. Uh, we'll have between uh, uh, six and 7,000 uh, seats available at a minimum. Uh, big demand for tickets, uh, big pent-up demand. But, you know, reading the situation over in the U.K., uh, where uh, they're not allowing tourists to leave the country, you know, U.K. citizens uh, to leave on tourism, uh, hopefully that'll change uh, by May 22nd. So what we're trying to do is we're going to reserve uh, as many as a thousand tickets because I don't think it's fair to Josh. Uh, if we do this fight with virtually everyone rooting, uh, for Jose. So hopefully we'll have, uh, uh, you'll be making progress in your side of the water and, uh, uh, people will be allowed uh, to leave the UK, uh, on tourism uh, and uh, I know if that were the case, uh, many, many 
Scottish and Brits uh, would look uh, to come over to Vegas, particularly since it is Vegas and Josh is very popular. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's going to be a great fight and really uh, a massive celebration because all of us would be thankful for coming out of this nightmare. Bob, but Bob, um, I think we're up to about a third of our country vaccinated now. We're over 21 million. I mean, you'll be pleased to know I've had my net, my jab now, Bob. Um, so I will definitely be coming to Vegas. I cannot wait to be there. It's been over a year since I've been there. It's my home from home, been there over a hundred times. Can't wait to see you in person. Um, just tell us, for those that don't know Jose Ramirez very well, for the fans listening over here, but they know a lot about Josh Taylor. They saw him at the Olympics. They know he won Commonwealth gold for, for Scotland at the 2014 Commonwealth Games. They've seen him here in action. They know what kind of character he is. Who is, you know, you know, you, you know Jose Ramirez well. As you rightly say, he's a Mexican-American. Um, tell us about him. What, what is Josh facing in this guy, Ramirez? Well, he's facing a really good, skilled fighter uh, who is has in his blood never say die. And when you look at his DNA, uh, he came. Uh, he, his parents came to the United States undocumented to work in the Central Valley, which is this the biggest agricultural area in the country. And they went to work uh, picking uh, uh, fruit and uh, vegetables uh, that's grown there. And Jose was born in the United States, making him an American citizen. Uh, But he also worked in the fields. And then uh, the people who own uh, this uh, big uh, pistachio growers, wonderful pistachios Mm. uh, took him under their wing. Uh, They provided uh, revenue for him uh, to pursue an amateur boxing career and to get educated because he even went uh, to university. Mm. Uh, He's very, very bright. He was on the U.S. Olympic team uh, and uh, he's been great as a pro, undefeated, and he has both the WBC and the WBO title. But fans love to watch him because he doesn't mind taking punches. And he just, you know, you know, he, he battles from adversity, whether it was Hooker or uh, Zapata uh, or anybody else uh, that he faced, uh, even though... They were putting, at times, a hurt on him. He found a way to recover and uh, to take it to them and to win. So he's a very entertaining fighter. But, you know, because I'm so politically oriented, the thing I love most about him is he's become this tremendous social activist. Absolutely. Uh, Here we go. I mean, he he, uh, uh, was in the forefront uh, during the big drought uh, in uh, California uh, to raise awareness uh, that more water 
how to be allocated to the Central Valley. Phenomenal uh, story. So that, yeah. The crops could grow. He became a leader there. He became a leader in the immigration battle during the Trump years, because obviously Trump was was horrible as far as immigration, and he was a big advocate. Right now, he is a leading advocate, and he's all over television, particularly in California and Nevada, urging Hispanics not to be afraid and to get themselves vaccinated. Uh, And he's heading up that drive. So whatever type of of cause you 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 look to him, he was always there spending his time, spending his money. And more importantly, you know, as uh, advocating uh, to his fellow Hispanics. Bob, we, we've got to go to a break shortly, and I wanted to ask you one more question tonight. This is why I'm so fascinated with, with this Taylor Ramirez fight, because you and I have spoken about his, his advocacy and his activism, um, and I just think it's got so many layers to it as we build up to it. Final thing, we talked about Undisputed. Adam rightly asked you about Undisputed fights. Terence Crawford is 30 and undefeated. Um, uh, Errol Spence is 32 and undefeated. When are we going to get these two fellas together? It would be tomorrow, really, if it was up to me. And I think truly if it was up to Heyman. Spence doesn't want to fight Crawford. I mean, period. End of story. There's no calling out. There's no nothing. He doesn't want to fight Crawford. Crawford's style is death to Spence. It really is. Spence is is certainly a, a terrific welterweight but again when you the the big thing in sports a big thing in sports is speed foot speed hand speed look at the the fights of errol spence and look at terence's fight and tell me who you give a tremendous advantage for speed for footwork just look at it and spence and his trainers have watched the same thing. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, 
Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, another fight that has uh, been confirmed this week for a British fighter is, of course, Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders. Canelo fought Avni Ildrim last weekend, beat him quite convincingly, and in the aftermath, May the 8th was the date that was drawn up uh, for Billy Joe Saunders to go over there with his WBO Super Middleweight Championship to hopefully unify the division. Gareth caught up with Billy this week, who was um, in his normal, jovial self. One-word answers, left, right, and centre, and he even took Gareth on a little bit of uh, a detour past the goat farm. Take a listen. Obviously, there's a fire lit under you for this fight. Where will it put you if you can get a victory over this guy? It would be the biggest upset in British boxing history. Yeah. And you intend to do that, obviously. Well, it all depends how I feel on the night. But you you are looking forward to this contest, aren't you? I mean, you know, you, you, you've got a full camp. Um... It's looking like it's in America. Um, Whereabouts? Well, we don't know yet, do we? But hopefully Vegas. Vegas, baby, yes. Well, I hope so. Make it till you make it, yeah? Exactly, exactly. Um, You know, but, you know, no. in all seriousness, you know what you can do. You're the guy facing him. It's none of us. We've all got opinions about it. Um... You, you you must study him a little bit. Um, have you fought anyone of that kind of style before who you can compare it to? No. Nobody. So it's uncharted territory for you in lots of ways. It's uncharted territory for me in every way. What did you make of Canelo's performance the other night? I didn't watch it, mate. Is, is there any reason for that? Oh, I just think that, you know, we see... We know what he's about. We know how good he is. And, you know, I thought that Smith took it on a little bit short notice, so you couldn't see the full potential of that. And Yildrim was just an out-and-out bump. Do you, do you think that people are kind of building up this aura around Canelo at the moment and that he's being kind of like really pushed and promoted at the moment and that they're just talking about his aura and this, that and the other? I think, obviously, he's being promoted very, very well. He's obviously the biggest attraction in boxing. Um, he's the best fighter pound for pound on the planet at the minute. So, rightly so, he gets promoted well, gets, um, gets some good uh, publicity, and, 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 you know, he does his talking in the ring, so you can only take it up to someone like him for that. So, I think that is an aura around him for a reason. Are you more excited about this fight than you've ever been for any other fight? No. No. No, definitely not. I mean, I know there's more at stake, but, you know, and I know that I probably want to win this more than any other fight, but excitement, not excited. I've been in the game too experienced to get excited. I know the job's in hand. I know what I need to do. Um, And 
it's obviously I've got to go out there and, and, and get the right the right game plan, the right instructions, and get the job done. Which I think I can. What? Why? Why do you think Callum Smith was saying? in the last couple of days that he, he worries for you that you might not have enough power to to keep Canelo off. Is that is that wrong? Well, if power mattered, a lot heavyweight would have got the job done within um, Kovalev. If power mattered, Tom Smith would have got the job done, being the naturally bigger man all the way around. You know, power in this fight don't really matter, in my honest opinion. Mm. It's not about going. People, no one's going to have the power to knock Canelo Alvarez out. No one, you're not going to go in there and think, right, well, I've got the power to put that in my training and I'm going to try and knock him out. You know, you can get respect other ways in a ring, not just by power. Respect comes in craft. You know, respect comes in all assets in that ring. Respect can come in in, in another box of tricks. You know, certainly you don't have to be power. People might look at me and think, yeah, oh, he's not a big puncher about me, but when I'm in the ring, they don't like getting me off the nose, that's for sure. Have you got to box in a slightly different way in this fight? Do you need to be busier? Do you need to be ahead in rounds, for example? I just wanted to be fair, Gareth. I mean, I think that a lot of people's minds are made up with the winner here. Uh, a lot of people, obviously, is writing me off because... You know, they're looking for him to unify and do this and do that. And, and you know, rightly so. Um, he said he's going to stop being free round, so let's, let's see what happens there. Hopefully he lets me pass free, I hope. Just lets me enjoy another round or so. And then goes to work, maybe. Maybe even that. If he stops me in three or four, if he stops me in four or five, maybe even. Be good, wouldn't it? What, what are you planning to do in terms of... Obviously, you're in camp at the moment in Spain... Do, are you intending to come home for a period and then go to America, or will you go straight to America? Uh, I'm in India at the minute, mate. You're where? I'm in India. You're not? I am, yes. Honest to God? Yes, honestly, I wouldn't well, I'm in India, Delhi. Um, yes, I'm out here, but, uh, yeah, mate, I'm not even... I, in a week or two, once I find out the location, I'll stick the training up and start me training properly then, you know? But at the minute, it's just... We're waiting around. We're waiting around for a venue, see where we can play. And do you think you'll come home to the UK in between, or, or are you likely to go over there and have a long camp? Uh, what have we got for the fight? Seven, eight weeks? Yeah. Uh, well, if I can get a good six weeks in, I might go home for a week. Right. And, and, and then go to America two weeks before? Uh, probably the week before. Okay, you're not really in India, are you? I am, mate, yeah, I'm in Delhi. Honest to God? Yeah. What, why are you in Delhi, then? Um, I'm just opening up a goat business from shipping some back. Oh, stop it, will you? No, I'm not, Gareth, I'm not pulling your leg, mate. I'm being serious. Oh, honest to God, now, you're in India? Yeah, the dairy, yeah well, I'm doing, I've got a dairy business, haven't I? So if I write that you're in India, I'm not going to be... No. No, 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 you can work that way. I wouldn't tell you if I wasn't. Oh no, it just it just surprised me. So 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 you you are genuinely shipping a load of goats back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, uh, me granddad obviously got the business and we're just taking it on. But like I say, he's one perfect training. Um, I should be back next week and then uh, go for camp. 
And so, so are you good? Are, are you making milk and cheese then with them? No, yeah, they make butter here. Uh, we do it for the butter. You are. You're not teasing me now, are you? No, 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 no. No, I promise you. I never knew about that. That's incredible. Yeah, I know. I know. So I'm just taking that roll on now. I'm just stepping up. Got my kids on it as well. So I'll give them something to look forward to. So how how many how many goats will you, will you import? The boxing, the boxing world, mate. I've been right away from that. You can do on my training, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I'm the team out here and that. But back and forth, that's where it's nice to be up here, so I can do a little bit of training. Uh, it's lovely weather. It's good. And so, are you? How many goats will you bring back? Do you think? Uh, I'm looking at probably bringing bringing six hundred back. Wow. Over the COVID, yeah, over the COVID, it's a bit. We should have been bringing about sixteen hundred back, but it's only going to be six hundred. And where is the factory or the the farm? Sorry. Where is the farm? Where he's got he's in Hertfordshire. But but so so basically, it's just a, it's a production line there with the with the butter. Yep, he's got his own butter brand now. We're bringing out, um, and we're looking to we're looking to launch it on May twenty second. Going to be very interesting. Wow, that's fantastic! I, n- I never knew about this. No, no, there's big money in it. There's good, uh, there's good money in it, and there's one thing we're lacking at the minute: is dairy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big, it's a big open market at the minute in the UK, so that's what we're doing. Because you were in Spain, you told me. I didn't reveal it to anyone, but you were in Spain, and then you went to India, yeah. No, no, yeah, I was in Spain for two weeks. So and I then come home for a week. Yeah. Getting ready, then we're out here now. Me, couple of things. Got the nutritionist with me. That's the main thing. Yeah. So he makes sure I don't eat too much dairy. And so, do you go around and inspect all the goats and stuff? Not really. No, we've got a team out here. We'll look at them and they inspect them and take the bloods and bits and bobs and make sure they're all healthy. Travel and stuff like that. You know? I think that's incredible. Yeah, I'll send you some pictures. I'll send you some. Amazing. Pictures. That's absolutely amazing. Let's hope Billy is a little bit more serious when it comes to fight night. I'm sure he will be. And as I said in that piece there, he will most certainly not be overawed. No matter how many Mexican fans are in that arena on the night, Billy will show up. Can't wait for that one. That's going down on May the 8th. There's loads of fights going down in May. A little bit closer to home now. Let's get into March, shall we? Uh, in a couple of weeks, Maurice Hooker. Remember him? Yes, he's the guy that was beaten by Jose Ramirez uh, in that unification clash in the super lightweight division. Well, he's moved up now. He's up at welterweight, the former uh, super lightweight champion, and he's taking on hot prospect Virgil Ortiz. Mighty Mo joined us on the show on Saturday for a chat. How has preparations gone? Because we've just been speaking to a couple of people over your way. And the COVID restrictions and what have you seem very different in the States than they are in the UK. So how have you been able to prepare for this one, mate? Has it been, has it been relatively normal or have you had to do some different things? I mean, it's been, it been kind of normal. I mean, I've been training since last year. First, last year we had to stay in Nebraska because everything was shut down out here in Colorado. But now we're back in Colorado and uh, in training. You know, everything's going good. Well, that's good to hear. And obviously, this particular fight, when it was made... What was your initial reaction when the Virgil Ortiz name was uh, was offered to you? For those that don't know, for fans that are listening to this, Virgil Ortiz is a young guy coming through who's a hot prospect, obviously, more former world champion. What what was your original 
uh, thought when, when this particular fight was offered to you? I was excited. I mean, he's he young. He got a perfect record, 16-0, 16 knockout. He got a lot of hype up behind him. And uh, everybody think he's he the next, next big star. You know, I feel like to, to be the best, you got to fight the best. So why not? Well, it does come – listen, I like that attitude, and it does come across as a perfect type of fight for you following, um, obviously, the fight with uh, Jose. Coming off the back of that, then fighting a fighter with a lot of hype around them gives you an opportunity to get immediately back in the mix, especially when we've got an undisputed fight happening in your weight division. Oh, yes, yes. This, 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 this guy is perfect. I mean, he, he trained with, uh, with Jose – so I know they got. I think they have a lot about me, but uh, I got a new coach, uh, and I'm I'm more than ready. I was going to ask you about the training uh, changes, Maurice. What's the thought process uh, behind that? Why change gyms? I mean, I had a lot going on with before I fight Jose, and uh, and uh, I need to just free myself from the uh, my manager, and uh, so I got rid of him and I switched coaches. And I feel like this that was the best I mean best thing I did so far with my country I mean with my boxing career. Mo, um it's lovely to have you on the show. Uh, you you're one of the fantastic adverts in our sport. I, I, I like to call you smoli- smiling Mo Hooker. Because you've got one of the biggest smiles in our sports. And you're a beautiful man, and I want to say that because I've always enjoyed being around you. Loved it when you came and you fought Terry Flanagan here and you made a lot of friends. I am very surprised. You've had one defeat. In 31 fight career, you fought 141 rounds to Virgil's 45 rounds. You've had 31 fights to his 16. Is it not an advantage that they're calling you the underdog in this fight, yet you've had so much more experience? Yeah, I mean, but that, I really don't get it. Like, how can I be an underdog, you know? I'm a former world champion, you know? I, I fought, I fought guys better than what? I mean, I understand this guy, he young, he had power. But I've been in the ring with guys with power. I mean, I, with me being an underdog, you know, I take that, like, very disrespectful, you know. So I'm going to go in there and make this guy pay for that, you know. Uh, don't get me wrong, the guy is good, you know. He's up and coming. We're both from Dallas, you know. I was supporting him till we, uh, till the fight got made. But after we fight, I'd be back supporting him. But, yeah, I mean, I was very upset about how everybody calling me the underdog, how people tell me I'm going to get knocked out because this and that. But, you know, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to go in there and give him my all. No, he said that. I spoke to him last week, actually. He would say, this is definitely the... I think people are creating you as the underdog. He said to me last week, this is definitely the hardest fight of my career and the most meaningful. So tell us, yeah, we must watch this fight because you're taking this guy into the trenches, aren't you? I mean, you got to watch this fight. I mean, yeah, he had power, but I have power too. I have power in both ends. I mean, we never seen this guy get touched before. We never seen this guy get hit in the face. We never seen this guy get hit with a body shot. We never seen this guy been in any type of trouble. But yeah, y'all calling, you know, he the next best and this and that. I mean, he calling out Terrence Crawford already. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we're going to see, you know, come fight night. I'm giving my all. I hope, I hope he's ready. Mo, we're looking forward to this one. Uh, can I ask you about the back and forth that you and Regis Progray had for uh, yeah. uh, a period of time, man? Because I love the uh, little Instagram post that you put on there, eating the popcorn and what have you. It seemed like you were all having a little bit of fun going back and forth. What happened? Why did that fight not materialise? Because it seemed like it was happening next. 
I mean, I, I, I wanted the fight happen. Then we had the uh, the COVID, the stuff. Uh, the fight got pushed back. When it got pushed back, uh, I gained a couple uh, pounds. You know, uh, I couldn't make it 143. So I asked him, I mean, I can't make 143. Can we do that 145? He's like, nah, we can't do 145. We got to do 143. And uh, I didn't want to suffer, you know, trying to make weight, then get in there and have to fight like that, you know, because I'm not going to be uh, 100% ready. So I just I feel like I, that fight right there is like a setup for me, you know. I want to be strong when I go out and fight Regis. But, I mean... I would love to fight him in the future when if he ever want to move up or you know fight at a cut catch weight, I'm I'm all for it. So is it? Is this you, I was just about to sorry, Gareth. I was just about to say, is this you now? One four seven? Are, are you done with one forty? Or would you flip between if there were the, if there was an opportunity there? Is it, if they give me another shot, another bill, and offer me a lot more money, I would definitely kill myself <laughs> to go in there. <laughs> Mo, 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 I can't wait to see you fight. One word answer because we've got to go to break. You fought Jose Ramirez. We've got our Josh Taylor going over to fight him in Undisputed. One word answer. Who wins out of Taylor and Ramirez? If Taylor can stay sharp and outbox him, I have to go with Taylor. I mean, Whoa! I, I, I might have to go with Taylor. I might. But, you know, Jose got the pressure. He, he might, his pressure might, you know, might break him down. I mean, it's a good fight. I mean, he can go either way. Can uh, Taylor handle the pressure? Him keep coming and getting hit and still coming. Can, can he handle that? Now, this week sees the 50th anniversary of one of the greatest fights of all time. It is, of course, Ali Frazier. 1971, May the 8th. I know that you're checking your calendar to see how close you are. So if you downloaded this on Monday, bang, it's anniversary day today. Let's take you on a trip down memory lane, shall we? And now we're ready. Hundreds of millions are seeing this bout around the world. A packed house at Madison Square Garden. That was a hard left hook that caught Frazier. Frazier is more vulnerable in the first round, and Muhammad Ali knows that. Now Frazier is mimicking Ali. He's just smiling at him. That one hurts. Go to that. And Muhammad Ali staggers. Muhammad Ali was rocked. He's holding on desperately. He takes the mandatory eight count. The only not count of the fight. Muhammad Ali was flat on his back, but he's a well-conditioned athlete. However, he is real tired. The majority vote is Joe Frazier, who retains his heavyweight title. Champion of the world, Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. For the first time in his career, Muhammad Ali was beaten. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Gareth A. Davies alongside me. Um, and now it's time to take a little bit of a trip down memory lane because on Monday of next week, 50 years to the day, it is the anniversary of Ali Frazier. And obviously that is part of their uh, sensational fights that they've dished up over a period of time in the early 1970s. Um, GAD, you've been uh, catching up with legendary... Uh, journalist Jerry Eisenberg, haven't you? Catching up and chatting about his experiences in and around these uh, two gentlemen in the, in the mid to early 70s? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, you know, you look at Jerry, Ed, and he has been covering boxing for nigh on 70 years. Yeah, Jeez. So it's an extraordinary history he's got. He's been a journalist, he's 90 years old. He's been a journalist since he was 20. Um, so he's seen all these eras and, you know, I mean, I even asked him about how he feels about the, the Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua fight these days being compared 
to that event in 1971, where, of course, it was the richest, literally the richest prize in sport for the first time ever. Two men got two and a half million dollars each, five million dollars the fight um, produced for them. But they were undefeated, both undefeated heavyweight champions of the world. Joe Frazier, 26 and 0 with 23 KOs. This kind of wonderkind at five foot 11 and a half, but with these triple left hooks that never went to sleep. And Muhammad Ali, who was going to go on to be the greatest, who was already really popular at this point and was unbeaten in 31 fights um, with 25 KOs, a bigger man, you know, 205 pounds and 215 pounds had they weighed for this Babies, fight. Small ones. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? WBC title on the line, WBA for Joe, for Joe Frazier. Ali, of course, had been frozen out of the sport and had come back because he refused to go to the Vietnam War. And he was considered the ring magazine champion at the time and the lineal heavyweight champion. And you could not get a seat in the house. Um, Burt Lancaster did commentary. He was one of the most famous actors in Hollywood at the time. Frank Sinatra was ringside taking photographs for yeah. Time magazine. And Jerry was there. Mm. Um, well, Jerry was there, and uh, Gareth's been catching up with Jerry about his recollections of that famous night at uh, Madison Square Garden in New York City. There was a lot of tension, which I really didn't understand until uh, much later, because uh, Joe had loaned Ali money when he was out of work. Joe had gone to the commission and asked if they were giving back his license, uh, but it got to be very testy, and after the third one with the gorilla thing, they never made up. I don't care what people say. They never made up. Um, well, we, you know, the buildup got to the point where he was trying to get the fight. They wanted him to get it because that's why he had to rush to uh, Quarry and Bonavina to get it eventually uh, because uh, they were afraid he was going to jail. They wanted to get the fight in before he went to jail. It was a matter of money for everybody but him. But um, she goes to Philadelphia to try to taunt Joe Fraser a little more. Gets on a radio station, calls him an Uncle Tom, goes to the Joe Frazier gym, bangs on the window and says, come out right now, we'll settle it here, come out. Well, Joe, you don't do that. Joe is headed for the door. And Yank Durham, then the manager, put a stranglehold on his neck and said, you ain't going anywhere. He said, the fight of the century ain't going to happen on a side street across from a, a, a railroad station in Philadelphia. Uh, the, the fight itself, it was fantastic because of the emotion and because of the crowd, but really not because of the fight. Now, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm my own judge. I use my own scorecard. Joe Frazier won that fight, won it by a couple of rounds. Do you know when you spend time, Gareth, in, uh, in, in the presence of the elder statesmen of our game, people that have been there, done it, got the T-shirt, the ones that have been to these fights that, I've only seen on YouTube and via my dad's VHS tapes back in the day. There's something quite mystical about listening to him speaking, quite therapeutic. It's like uh, you, you, you travel through, you live the moment vicariously through their words and you can see that the passion and the, uh, and the fire still burns uh, inside the, or, or with Jerry's voice as he was speaking to you. Well, well, the, the equivalent, Ed, and, and Jerry's always been a mentor for me, um, certainly for the last 20 years. I'll always go, I've been to his home, 
Um, he lives in Henderson on the outskirts of Las Vegas, but he's a proper New Yorker. Yeah. You know, he's from, um, or, New, or New Jersey, or rather. Um, you know, he's he's been 50 years uh, a correspondent or a columnist for the Star Ledger. It's incredible. But the thing is, I think with people like him, with Colin Hart, with the late Burt Randolph Sugar, I, I've always, as a... As a, as a part historian of the sport, you know, I met Muhammad Ali four times. I interviewed Joe Frazier, but I, obviously they were old men when I knew them um, in terms of interviewing them in the career. So you're, you, they're actual fights. As you say, you're living vicariously and you're living through, you know, if you're involved in, in wanting to detail these things and give a narrative for today and compare, which is what we're doing, mm. um, or being nostalgic, um, you have to compare with the guys who were there. And I think, you know, um, it's the it's the equivalent. When Jerry talks about that fight 50 years ago, he was our age. He was your age. Wow. So, yeah. so, so you and I, can you imagine if we're doing this in 40 years time, still doing this, <laughs> yeah. we'll be talking to people about the night we were with... Uh, Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder too, or the night we were in Saudi Arabia when Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury knocked each other down four times. Or, do you know what I mean? So it's it's extraordinary, and I think what what's fantastic about boxing is that there are certain fights in history mm. that really stand out. Ali was one of the most well-known men in the world. That that the. the, the the, the the music industry Motown was very powerful at the time, so I think that these aren't just boxing matches. So that there are certain fights they mark a moment in time, and it was the richest prize in sports at the time. Mm. And they obviously went on to do this uh, on another two occasions. Um, the second one didn't necessarily live up to the to the other two, but I'd say something when you. Uh, when you finally get round to the thriller in Manila in 1975, which this one was uh, won by Muhammad Ali, um, it kind of tops off uh, a fantastic trilogy between these two men and something that maybe the modern fighters can take a little bit of inspiration by. Hopefully over the next week or so, there's going to be quite a few uh, publications and radio broadcasters talking about the 50-year anniversary of the first fight between Ali and Frazier. And it, it seems to come around quite nice that we're talking about uh, a meeting of heavyweight greats of the modern era, and fingers crossed, who knows? Somebody out there might be shining down on us next week, Gareth, and they might decide to announce Fury versus AJ in the desert. Who knows? Absolutely. And look, it's, 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 a, it's a weirdly significant time to be comparing these two things because I think I, I read somewhere that there was a 300 million audience for Ali Frazier one. And as you say, over 74... Um, January 74, they fought mm. the second fight. And then October 75, after um, Muhammad Ali had become a world champion for the third time at the age of 32 in the Rumble in the Jungle mm. um, against George Foreman, that that third bout in Manila was, I think Jerry told me this as well, if he didn't say it earlier in that clip, by the time Ali and Frazier fought each other for a third time in four years. It wasn't for the heavyweight championship of the world. And he always says this to me. And, and Colin Hart, um, the great doyen of British boxing writers, still going in his mid to late 80s, it was no longer the heavyweight championship of the world, Ed. And we've talked about this on our mm. show before. It was the championship of each other. 
Yeah. That's what mattered at that point, you know. And yeah. you, you they can't were the belts. Say... They were the belts. They became exactly, the belts. exactly. And you, the weirdly now, you can't talk about Frazier without talking about Ali, can you? Yeah. No, you can't. Um, and and I wonder if if Fury and Joshua say have end up having a trilogy, will we be able to mention? You know, they one wins two and one wins one. Yeah. I wonder if they'll be linked in the same way. I I don't know if they will. But I wonder if we'll, we'll be talking about them in 40 years' time to our great or to me, to my great grandchildren. <laughs> um, you're a little bit younger than me, but you know that that you covered this fight between. You only need the two words: Fury and Joshua. There you go. Action Pack Show once again. Make sure you come and join us on the radio Saturday night from 10 o'clock. But don't worry if you can't do that and participate live with us. You're more than welcome to subscribe to this podcast because we put all our guests from the show in one place for you to listen at your own leisure throughout the course of the week. So you can get us on iTunes. Fight Night is what you're looking for. And Fight Night on the Talk Sport website. Thank you very much for your time. I'll see you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.